so I'm really big on goals and this answer probably doesn't fit in super well with that. So I wouldn't say that I had a, like an end term goal, like, Hey, I want to be 400 pounds and I want to bench a thousand pounds. I never had that, but it was, there were so many small goals along the way, like, mm. okay, I benched 275. I want to bench 285 next month. And I want to bench 315 in two months from now. Um, and okay, I, I weigh 175 pounds now. I want to be 210 pounds by the next football season. And those little goals were, were almost daily. And I think the encompassing larger goal was to get as big and strong as possible. And I had daily, weekly, monthly goals to get there. All right, welcome to The Path Distilled. I'm your host, Kevin Harris. My co-host is Lauren Tashman. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Path Distilled. And our guest today is the world powerlifting champion. His name is Blaine Sumner. He goes by the Vanilla Gorilla. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So first of all, I just have to say your uh, feats of lifting are just mind-numbing. I can't uh, even comprehend some of the (laughs) over a thousand pounds on multiple uh, lifts. And so uh, if you would just tell us a little bit about what you're up to now. And then once you kind of introduce yourself to the listeners, we'll go back and kind of follow your path and see how you got to where you are. Yeah, you bet. So um, my name is Blaine Sumner. Like you said, I have a couple world records in powerlifting. I have the squat world record of 1,135 pounds, bench of 1,003 pounds, and the total of uh, 2,850 pounds. Um, grew up in high school playing all kinds of different sports. Um, football was my main my main passion through most of the athletic days and then through college played football as well um needed something to stay competing and active in after i graduated and chose to pursue powerlifting it was a pretty easy transition and i've been doing powerlifting full-time as my athletic pursuit now for about 10 years um and traveled around the world doing different competitions and meeting different people and it's just doing what i love nice and so can you take us back how did you early on, you said you played many sports. How did you first get involved in athletics to begin with? Uh, so growing up, I mean, as soon as I could walk pretty much, I was playing a lot of sports, did uh, wrestling, very young football, um, and then lacrosse and baseball. And then through high school, I did uh, football, wrestling, lacrosse, and then track and field too. Wow. So what did you do with track and field? Was it shot putt or were you like a long distance runner just just the shot put okay no distance running for me (laughs) i was envisioning like running and wrestling it seemed (laughs) so so what age were uh and i've read up on you as well and you talk about considering yourself a lean kid at one time so kind of what was athletic what were athletics like for you at the time and then how did that path the ball for you yeah so I was always really tall and lanky a little little taller than average and really skinny skinny legs long arms long legs uh, as a freshman in high school I weighed 145 pounds wrestling about six foot 145 pounds and wow. um, still really loved football and needed to get bigger for football 
Um, my parents were both um, into lifting when they were younger and kind of pushed me in somewhat the right direction and really got obsessed with the lifting and getting bigger and stronger. So 145 pounds as a freshman in high school, ended up graduating at 250 pounds and it was kind of a steady gradual climb in strength and size um, and just really enjoyed the process. And so do you remember your first time ever on a weight bench? Uh, I don't remember the first time specifically, but uh, even even in middle school, we had a little weight set in the garage and I would go out with my dad and do some bench presses. And my mom had me squatting with a, a broomstick <laughs> and doing cleans with a PVC pipe. Yeah. And so when did it start to change? Was it, you obviously added lots of, uh, poundage during the freshman year to the senior year did that come in mostly from the weightlifting regimen yep yeah that and eating a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> so was it early on was it a did you have a plan to put on that much weight or did it just kind of happen because of what you were doing um not really I played linebacker in, in football that was my favorite position um so I needed to get bigger and stronger and um, I guess I just try to get as big and strong as possible and it never stopped. It's interesting, Kevin, what you just asked, because we recently just did a panel discussion with a couple of colleagues on goals and goal setting and kind of different ways of approaching things. So when you first started thinking about gaining the weight um, and getting a little bigger, did you have a like a plan in mind of how you're going to do that? Or it was just trying to consistently do things? So I'm really big on goals and this answer probably doesn't fit in super well with that. So I wouldn't say that I had a, like an end term goal, like, Hey, I want to be 400 pounds and I want to bench a thousand pounds. I never had that, but it was, there were so many small goals along the way. Like, mm. okay, I benched 275. I want to bench 285 next month. And I want to bench 315 in two months from now. Um, and okay. I, I weigh 175 pounds. Now I want to be 210 pounds by the next football season. And those little goals were, were almost daily. And I think the encompassing larger goal was to get as big and strong as possible. And I had daily, weekly, monthly goals to get there. Mm-hmm. And so to, at, during high school, I don't know if there's bound to be a point in time, either whether it be high school or college where people started wondering if you were setting your goals too high did you have any of that in high school or did that start later on and it was later on don't go completely there yet but uh we're um I've always been pretty fortunate that everybody in my close circle has always been very supportive my my family um my wife I mean my my close circle has always been very supportive about doing what I want to do and I think I did a pretty good job blocking out the the negative voices while still being able to use it as motivation to do something that I was told I can't do. Sure. And so did those naysayers begin, or I guess you said you didn't really have many, but did people start blowing back against what you were doing in high school or did that come later? I'd say it came later. Okay. So you're finishing high school, you're over 200 pounds. Now you get a scholarship or you play football at Colorado School of Mines, I'm assuming it was scholarship. Yep. So tell us about that experience. Uh, that was a, a rough 
five years uh, going to engineering school and playing uh, collegiate sport. It, it was tough. I mean, the the academics were really tough and then football was like a full-time job. So, um, you know, met some of the best people and best friends that I'll ever have. And, you know, looking back, it was for sure worth it. Taught me tons of life lessons and, you know, gave me a good path forward for the rest of my life. But it was a, it was a rough five years for sure. So, five years. So did you redshirt a year? Y- yep. I redshirted a year and then uh, I graduated with my bachelor's in four and started on my master's my fifth year there while still playing football with my last year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. So, and it might be in your mind that this might be easy, uh, but am I hearing this story? I'm curious how you carved out the time for both academics and athletics at that level. Was it difficult for you or how'd you go about that? I, it was difficult, but it, it wasn't difficult for me to do, I guess. I mean, there was times where it was really challenging, but you just pretty much don't have a life. You go to class and then you get football practice and film and then you get home and you're tired and hungry and you got to study and do homework and get ready for exams. Um, but it's just, it's just a consistent grind more than anything else and hard, hard work and effort really kind of elevated people to succeed more than just natural given knowledge or ability. Mm-hmm. Wow. You mentioned before that you were passionate about football and had these kind of incremental goals to increase your weight and get stronger. Were you passionate about the weight training at that time too, or was it more a means to an end? I, I was definitely passionate about it because, um, you know, in football, my goal was to be the best football player, but that also included like, Hey, I want to be the biggest, strongest dude on the field and scare the other guys. So um, really enjoyed the, the lifting side of it the whole time that I was playing football. So I know that you set a bench press for the 220 or the 225. It was a record for a college player. Is that accurate? Yep. So yep. Were, you, were you already moving towards the setting, I guess, let me rephrase that. What was setting a world record your goal during college? Or did, I guess, to tag on to Lauren's question, did that just kind of come with the, the, the smaller goal of wanting to be the strongest person on the, on the football field? Yeah, I'd say it came with the smaller goal. When I was in college and playing football, I, I didn't really think that um, I would be setting these world records one day. And so it was 52, ultimately, right? 52 reps of... Uh, was it 220 or 225? 225. Okay, wow. Uh, All of your records, even that one sounds absolutely amazing to me. Like, I'm not quite sure how someone does that. (laughs) You mentioned that, um, you know, it it was quite a challenging time. What were some of the pivotal moments during your college career? Um, I guess getting done with the first year and the first season, you know, the, you have a lot of the weed out type classes your first year. So getting through those was nice, kind of getting to the groove of football, um, you know, having friends and the classmates that you start to bond with and makes it feel like home instead of just being a big, scary place. Mm-hmm. And then I think another pivotal moment was probably s- settling into my, my major classes and r- really starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. 
and at this point, uh, were you recognizing that you were different as far as your capabilities, as far as your strength? Did, did this happen during college or did it happen during high school or did that come later all together? Um, that you're stronger than everybody else? It's really been a gradual, I mean, from my perspective, it feels like it's been a gradual thing. Like, uh, you know, when I was a freshman in college, I was probably one of the, maybe the three strongest kids on the, the team. By the time I was a sophomore, was the strongest. And then by the time I was a senior, I was by far the strongest, but I wouldn't, um, I, I wouldn't say that I felt like a superhuman type numbers, but just what was the strongest football player around? Um, and I know you want to move on past the college conversation, but I am curious, uh, did you get any, obviously you're now an engineer, right? And so you had uh, strong academic expectations from the faculty. Did you ever surprise anybody that you're both athletic and academic simultaneously? Um, so at the Colorado School of Mines, it's, a, it's pretty cool because I don't know the, the numbers, but there's a very large percentage of the students that are also athletes. So okay. um, it's not that uncommon to have, you know, a lot of athletes in, in your classes. Gotcha. Awesome. I'm curious too about your training. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like in high school, it was your parents because of their background and you setting these kind of incremental goals. When you got to college, did you have a strength coach and then had to go through the transition of um, doing like a program for your team versus doing your own weight training. Yeah. And, and that was kind of tough. Cause I liked, yeah, I liked doing my own thing. And I felt like I had a really good grasp of knowledge on, on how to get bigger and stronger and what worked for me. So I did a lot of the required collegiate stuff with the team and then did at least that much on, on my own outside of it. Hmm. So was that fifth year, that red shirt year, was that due to an injury? No. Uh, so at School of Mines, at least on the football team, they just automatically redshirt all oh, the okay. freshmen because it, um, it's a big jump. And then it, it also uh, um, it's pretty tough academically to I mean, most people don't graduate in the four years. Any injuries at this point? Any with how much you're training yourself? Yeah, so. Um, I had knee surgery in college or in high school from wrestling. And then um, it was in college when I first injured my back, I ruptured a disc and it's, it's kind of been a nagging injury since then. Sure. So I want to go back to the timeline. So you're finishing up your collegiate career. What happens next? I had dreams of playing in the NFL. Uh, I graduated in 2010 um, had some interest from scouts and some teams, did a couple pro days. Um, I kind of blew up on a couple of the NFL team message boards of, you know, fans, there's fans out there that just go psycho over the draft and the college seniors. And I was kind of an intriguing story coming from the school of mines that no one had ever heard of and had all these uh, outrageous testing numbers. Um, didn't end up getting my shot. I, it was the year 2010 was the year of the NFL lockout. So it was pretty tough. Um, teams weren't allowed to communicate with graduating seniors for a big part of the off season. Um, so couldn't have any communication. Once the lockout kind of ended, um, I did get a call from the Eagles and I had a spot with the Eagles in their training camp. 
Um, and over, over a period of a couple hours that disappeared. Um, I was getting travel arrangements and all that. And then they said their camp roster was filled and then had something similar happened with the Redskins as well. Um, and just never got my shot. Uh, a lot of people in that situation choose to go on and go to the Canadian football league or arena football league to try and you know, prove themselves on the next level to get their shot. And I chose to not do that and just get on with my career and start, start powerlifting a little more. So was that, it, do you wish that you, so getting that call and then getting it yanked away from you must've been tough. Do you wish they would have never taken that step or do you, are you happy with how it kind of went, um, came about or ended up? I mean, at, at the time it, it was, I mean, it felt horrible. It was like one of the most gut-wrenching things I've had happen and it, um, it screwed me up for a long time. Like I couldn't watch NFL or pay attention to it for maybe four or five years, really, you know, just anytime I saw it or thought about it, I just would instantly start to block it off and didn't want to, didn't even want to think about it. Um, but I'm, I'm over it now. Sure. So you, you played nose tackle, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you have that experience and you said you started to focus on your powerlifting career kind of walk us through those next steps sure so the start of kind of my full-time pursuit of powerlifting and the start of my career happened at about the same time you know graduating college um and I had always trained really hard and heavy during my football days doing stuff on my own so I was already really strong you know comp competitive at the high national level um and I'd say within Within a year or two of focusing on it full time, I was very competitive on the world level and won my first world championship in 2012. <clears throat> and then um, from 2012 until the present time, I've um, just had, had a lot of success, a lot of world records and world championships and had some up and down years with injuries and tough meets, but it's been, it's been a ride. So You've, you've obviously made a name for yourself. Do you remember what it was like when you first started getting that notoriety? Was it too much pressure? Was it a good feeling? How'd that go for you? Um, it, it was cool, um, but I guess it never affected or impacted me like some people, some people might think because I was, I never got into it or never wanted to be a great lifter for that I just wanted to I just wanted to be the strongest guy you know I look at all these records and these meet results and I just wanted to I just want to lift more than those guys so um I, I don't think any of the pressure or fame affected me that much where did the motivation come from to be the strongest person you, you know I've thought about that a lot um and you would think that getting to the level and lifting some of the weights that I have, that there'd be some big obvious answer, but I really, I don't think that there is. I think it just kind of stemmed from when I was younger, you know, at a, at a wrestling tournament or on TV or something, you'd see someone big and strong and you'd be like, I want to be that big and strong or, you know, oh, that'd be awesome to be as strong as that guy. And I just think that little seed, that little carrot is just always dangled in front of me and, 
um, would always find something that motivated me to try and get to that next level of strength or size. So how many hours a day would you say that you work out when you're, I guess you're always training, but during formal training? Yeah. So, um, so I mean, during my regular training, a single workout is th three to four hours. Is that once a day or do you do several things throughout the day? Uh, so that's five times a week. And mm -hmm. just once, if I work out once a day in the evening. Mm -hmm. so, so I'm curious, I'm can't, still can't wrap my head around bench pressing a thousand, over a thousand pounds. <laughs> uh, are you, do you have plans to try to beat that record or are you pretty satisfied with it? Yeah, I'm always trying to, to beat my next record, but um, at the last meet that I did, which was the Arnold Championship in 2020, March, right kind of when the pandemic started, um, that's, I also did my squat world record there. And during that squat, I uh, fractured part of my vertebrae. So I've been trying to heal and rehab that. And it's been, it takes a long time. And so, sorry, Lauren, I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, I was just curious about so I was talking a little bit more about some of the injuries that you've had and your experience with trying to come back from them. So the, the back injury has been for sure the most serious. Um, yeah. I ruptured L5-S1 disc that I've had for many, many years now, and I've kind of figured out how to deal with it and work around it. But the, the most serious one I've had now is uh, this fractured part of my vertebrae because it's it's really debilitating and there's no way to work around it. Mm -hmm. um, other things I've done, I've torn the labrum in both hips, torn meniscus in both knees, labrums in both shoulders, um, and then did have a really, really freaky squat accident about two years ago, getting ready for the world championships. And just in training, I squatted 1,025. And when I was putting the bar back in the rack, uh, the rack fell forward and mm -hmm. have a, I don't know if you can, see it but i have a very very nasty scar that cuts all the way down to the mm. tendons and it was extremely gruesome <laughs> sounds like it <laughs> and so how much of even i guess including the injuries but it has to be a significant portion of this has to be mental like do you feel like you have a really strong uh or i guess good mental strength yeah, I, I think the mindset and mental discipline and just everything mental is has been a much larger contributor of my success than anything physical. Um, I know people that see a snapshot of my numbers and results think that I'm a genetic freak and a genetic outlier, but I, I personally don't, don't think that I am. Um, uh, I've seen competitors get insanely strong in a much shorter period of time than, than I ever did. I think what has been able to set me apart is just mental discipline and obsessing over things and looking at, uh, looking at the techniques and the strategies and analyzing film 10 times more than, than my competition does. And for a lot of people, powerlifting can get boring with just three lifts and very repetitive and redundant. And for whatever reason, I never found it boring. Um, you know, even just trying to chase the next five pounds was intriguing to me. So 
um, I, I do think that the mental strength has, has set me apart and been a bigger part of my success than anything physical. It sounds like mental strength and, you know, the, the way that you, your motivation and the way you've looked at, you know, setting goals for yourself. I'm curious about the confidence piece. What has that been like for you over the years? So whenever I approach a big weight in training or a competition, I have a thousand percent confidence that I can do it because with the weights that I'm handling, it's very dangerous to not be confident in it. Sure. Um, so I've always had extreme confidence in the weight that I'm doing, but it, it's strange because I'm, I get insanely nervous. Um, I mean, the, the week before a competition, it's hard to eat. I'm very, very short tempered and short fused and drive my wife crazy. Um, you know, the, the day before the meet, I can't eat anything. Um, I've thrown up multiple times from nerves. But as soon as like I start warming up and as soon as I touch the barbell, all that goes away and it just goes straight into adrenaline and, and excitement. So I've, I get very, very nervous. But when the time comes and the, the bell rings, it's all confidence. Interesting. So the, the nerves are buffered by a, a trust that you have in your training, it sounds like. If I could put words into your mouth, does that sound fair? <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I, I need, I've learned over time that I need those nerves. Um, I, I hate it. It's a miserable feeling. You know, I'm, I'm on 10 out of 10 nervousness for an entire week and I hate it. It's miserable. My palms are sweaty. I get cold sweats, but I, I need it because the, those nerves are what build up to when it's time to compete. It just, it's crazy how all of that gets filtered into adrenaline and energy. And um, I don't think I can have one without the other. So have you ever considered giving up powerlifting? Um, not, not because I don't enjoy it or, or anything like that. Uh, I am currently battling with that thought in my head because of the most recent injury. Um, all of my other injuries, I've been able to work around, um, find substitutes and find, find ways to keep going. And with, with the fractured vertebrae, um, there's, there's nothing much I can do. And, and the process to heal it is something that I'm not really willing to do because you can't put a cast or anything like on your back, like you, you could an arm or a leg. Um, so to, to truly heal, it would be like nine months of living almost like a vegetable I and mean, no physical activity at all. And, um, it doesn't hurt me in my everyday life. It doesn't cause any extra pain, but I, I can't, I can't squat or deadlift any even lightweight, honestly. So it's, I've, I found other ways where I can still train, um, train my muscles and push myself till failure. Um, um, which keeps me going. And I'm just, I don't think I'm willing to do what it would take and take those nine months of living like a vegetable almost. And, you know, having, having everything wither away and it'd still be a, a crap shoot if, if that truly healed it or not. So. Mm -hmm. Sounds a little bit. I heard a musician make the comment once that it was like an addiction they couldn't get rid of, or they didn't ask for, and they couldn't get rid of. Uh, do you feel that you've kind of been addicted to powerlifting in a positive I, sense? I think, I think, hundred percent. It's to it would qualify for an addiction as much as anything else, without a doubt. Sure. Uh, I'm curious to hear more about 
uh, take a little bit of a detour here in what we've been talking about, but hear more about what competitions are like. You talked about what it's like for you leading up, but talk us through a little bit what the experience of that is like. Yeah, um, it's, it's pretty fun. It's, a lot of times it depends on where it is. Uh, I mean, the, the big ones that I've done are overseas somewhere, um, but it's it's fun because you, you kind of create relationships and get to meet people from all across the world and just talking about their life and what they do every day, what their training is like, what their gym is like. Um, so I, I enjoyed that part of it. Um, and then the competitions themselves, they always squat with, or they always start with squat, followed by bench, followed by deadlift. You get three attempts at each of the lifts. Um, and there's three judges and you need two of the three judges to say that it was a good lift. There's a couple different um, technical requirements for every lift. And uh, so you're trying to achieve the technical requirements and successfully lift the weight so that you can increase weight on your next attempt and hopefully lift more than the next person. You mentioned earlier that uh, people sometimes think you're a genetic freak to quote your earlier language. Do you think that in general, do you, how much would you attribute of the nature versus nurture spectrum? Do you think it's for the field in general, do you think uh, most power lifters, it's a larger component that's genetic or do you think it's more of a uh, nurture component where people are, it's a greater percentage is coming from the, uh, the work that's being put in or do you think it's pretty equal? I would actually say powerlifting is probably heavily leaning towards the genetic component. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm sure I have above average genetics for sure. Uh, but just looking at my, my brother and relatives, you know, no one's the, no one's, it looks like the littlest weights even really, but, um, you know, you, I think you could take someone with average genetics and if they're the hardest worker and they're the most dedicated that they could become a, a national, the national level competitor. But I think if someone has far superior genetics in powerlifting, far superior genetics, they could work much less hard and be significantly stronger. So. And related to that, what advice would you have for an aspiring powerlifter? For sure, understanding that it's a marathon, not a sprint. It, it's tough in today's age with social media because you see so many people feels like they come out of nowhere. They've only been lifting for six months or a year and they're light years ahead of you strength-wise and you've been training hard for years and years. Um, but consistently from what I've seen from the people at the very, very top, it's people that have taken the long road. They might not have been the world-class lifter within a year, um, but they were the ones that were the most dedicated, did the, thing, did the things right, took care of their nutrition, good technique, good training, training smart, staying on the, the good consistent path. Um, and it's, it's hard because you, you see people come out of nowhere and surpass you. Um, but I think in a sport like this, it's easy to get burned out. So if you're the type of person that can dedicate yourself to just being rigorous and religious about your training and doing the, the things that aren't fun, doing them right, doing them all the time that you can surpass pretty much everybody in the long run. I was going to ask if that had gotten harder over time for you, because it's, I think, a common 
thing that people discuss that as you get further and further in your career with something, you know, particularly this gets talked about in sport all the time, right? The, the margin of difference between you and your competitors or you and your next goal becomes so much smaller. Yeah, that's insanely true for, for everything and powerlifting for sure. Insanely true. Um, mentally, I don't think it got harder. I mean, I never lacked motivation. Mm -hmm. To, to go train. The thing that got harder is that the nagging injuries just started to build up. So mm -hmm. I always reminisce about, you know, 10 years ago, you could just go in and lift and push as hard as you wanted and things didn't, didn't really hurt. And now it's like, there's five or six things that are going to hurt for a few weeks and, and take your pick. And so in, mm -hmm. instead of it, it, it wanes on some of the excitement because instead of going in and just pushing as hard as you can, you're, you're limited by, Oh, I wanted to, I wanted to push hundred percent on the bench press today, but my shoulder really hurts. And you're, it turns into like, you're just doing what your pain is going to allow that day and not lifting as just aggressively and hard as you want. So when you work out casually, do you do like 500 pounds on the bench? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm also curious, there was uh, the nutrition part. So I know you do you call them chicken shakes, but is your diet restrictive or is that just, so can you have ice cream or things that you cheat meals or how does that work for you? So my weight class in powerlifting is a super heavyweight, which means there's no ceiling on it. And so everybody at the top is trying to get as big as possible. Um, if you were in a weight class, it'd be a different story where you might have to cut down, but for me, there's no weight limit. Um, and naturally it's, I'm not, I don't have the appetite and desire to, to be like 400 pounds. Um, so I've had to come up with things to be able to get enough nutrition and calories in to get to that weight, maintain it. And the chicken shakes are something that's associated with my name a lot more than the lifting stuff really is. People are just so intrigued by it for some reason, but what's, what, what I've done is just blend up chicken and water and potatoes, rice, spinach, almonds, um, to get my calories in because I don't, I don't have enough of an appetite to eat enough to get and maintain my size, but it's easy for me to just chug, chug a shake. <laughs> Maybe a different type of shake than most people are having. <laughs> yep. That's cool. Um, so what have you learned about yourself throughout your journey? <clears throat> Deep question. <laughs> um, good one. Um, I've, I've learned that, uh, I don't, I don't allow myself to have excuses. I always find, um, reasons to do something, not excuses to not do them. Um, I've learned how strong mentally, um, I can be, there's been, there's been lots and lots of reasons over the last 10 years to, you know, quit competing or not train as hard with mm -hmm. work and with life. And, um, and I guess I've been pr proud of myself that I've been able to stay motivated and on the, the really hard long days when life gets rough, just um, not have excuses to not, not train that day. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just putting in those small deposits over time really pay off. Yeah. I had a workout partner in college that, 
even when I wanted a day off, he never took a day off. So I never felt like I could either. So, <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, you're about to ask. Is there anything that you would go back and do differently? Yep. Um, so in the United States, most people learn to squat and bench in their high school weight rooms or their football weight rooms. or um, And then you look overseas, most people are learning to lift from an Olympic lifting background. Mm -hmm. And so by the time that I was strong enough to compete on the national and international stage, I had very sloppy technique mm -hmm. and still, I mean, a, a lot to this day because you've, you spent 10 or 12 years lifting that way sure. and you've gotten to a world-class strength lifting that way. Um, so it's, it's really hard to, to change that. Um, so, you know, going back, I would say getting perfect technique from the start. And even if you might be able to lift more weight with poor technique, uh, don't do it. I mean, it's much easier said than done because most people in the gym lifting weights probably have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder or a little bit of an ego trying to lift more weight. It's, you know, they go hand in hand a lot of times. So it's easier said than done, but um, I think it'll increase someone's longevity and their, their ceiling for strength to do technique the right way from the very beginning. Probably not as exciting to focus on technique versus those incremental goals you said you were pursuing. Exactly. <laughs> you, we always ask everybody to share with us a picture, something that you know best epitomizes them or is something kind of you know, a pivotal moment um, along their journey. So I'm going to bring up the one you shared with us. Talk us through why you chose this picture. I, I chose this one because squat is my most favorite lift. Um, and this was from the world championships in 2016. Um, and it was, it was, it was really cool because this world championships was in Orlando and usually the world championships are in Europe or somewhere. So I was able to have my parents, my family, my wife, all, all there in attendance. Um, and to, to be able to win a world championship in, in front of them was probably one of the coolest things that I've ever been able to do. How much weight is that? That's uh, 1,070 pounds. That was one of my squat attempts. I just, I know you're obviously, uh, you know, uh, training your strength and becoming as big as you can for this, but it sounds absolutely like a, an inhuman feat. <laughs> <laughs> so do you get asked to, do people ask you to help them move frequently? <laughs> All the time. And I always have a hard no. <laughs> wow. I also and want, then, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to ask, uh, we haven't yet asked you how, when and how your nickname came about. Oh, that's a good one too. So um, my freshman year at the Colorado School of Mines, we would have, for football, we would have uh, team meetings on Sundays, uh, Sunday evenings. And the players would all get there about 10 or 15 minutes before the coaches. And it was up to the freshmen to have um, entertainment for the team until the coaches arrived. So uh, one day we were setting up a fake boxing match and one of the, one of our teammates was from the Ivory Coast of Africa. And he, I, he was just rambling stuff off like he was an announcer for a boxing match. And he's, <laughs> he, when it came my turn to come to the corner, he said, uh, hailing from Conifer, Colorado, the Vanilla Gorilla, Lane Summer. <laughs> and it just stuck ever since. Oh, that's cool. 
That's awesome. And then I was trying to think of something clever that rhymed for me, but I couldn't. The, <laughs> I guess it's not cool if you name your, give yourself a nickname, though, is it? Um, I also wanted to give you a chance to uh, talk about the app if you wanted to. Yeah. So uh, just about a week ago, launched a new strength training app and just training in general app um, that I worked on with some folks to develop. And it's, it's really neat. It's got tons of different programs on there for different goals. Um, it's got in, in the app, there's video demonstrations for every single exercise. You, you track your exercises, your weights, your reps, the difficulty. Um, it's very, very customizable um, and just really excited about it. It's, it's been a fun process. Nice. What was it like, what's it been like as you've gone throughout your you know, kind of, I'll call it weightlifting career starting in high school when you, it sounds like we're, you had that family background and we're figuring it out on your own. Did you ever, was there come to a point where you had to shift how you're approaching learning how to work out and how to set up your workouts? There, I would say there's never like a step change there or an obvious inflection point. Um, just a, a gradual evolution over time, mm. but you know, look, looking what I do now versus what I did six or seven years ago, um, it's not a whole lot different, really. Interesting. And so as uh, obviously Kevin and I coming from the background, we do, you know, looking into the science behind things, has that, has that been part of your process? Like kind of looking into the science or what other people are doing, or has it really been more just focusing on you and how you do things and evolving that? Uh, both. So early on, I was obsessed with the science and mm. read all kinds of books, read everything I could about the science of training. Um, and then uh, not because I felt like I knew everything, but I got to a point where I feel like I understood enough and I didn't want to get distracted by new information because there's so much, there's so much information out there. I didn't want to be believing hundred percent in what I was doing and read some article that, mm would might maybe suggest I could be doing things different and then it would kind of distract me from my goal. I mean, once, once I had my philosophy and my program set, I wanted to buy into it hundred percent to not have any peripheral distractions about any, any kind of new information or new study. Um, but something I've, I've always done is um, really obsess over videoing my technique um, and, and try new things, um, having an engineering background, you know, trying different leverages with the bar, different leverages mm -hmm. with my body, and just filming it from different angles and kind of watching and testing and, and seeing. So you mentioned your workouts are like three to four hours, then there's this kind of video watching, you know, kind of analyzing what you're doing. There's the nutrition piece. Are there any other components to how you go about training? Uh, those are the, the three biggest ones and, and rest too. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Probably very important. <laughs> so that's gotten a lot of attention lately. Um, how have you always emphasized getting the rest you need or is it been a recent development? Yeah, I've always emphasized it. I've always been big on sleep, but as most, most folks know, you can't always get as much as you want, but I, I certainly try to um, limit things in my life that would take away from sleeping. Any other forms of recovery? 
No. So I'm really not a big believer in a lot of the, the things that you see people do like icing and mm -hmm. compression and all the chambers. Um, not a, not a big believer in all that. So what would you want the biggest takeaway from your story for the listeners to be? Uh, it's very cliche, but that you can do anything you set your mind to. Um, you know, if I, if I could have gone back in time when I was a 145 pound high school freshman and, and made a, a billion dollar bet that that skinny kid could <laughs> grow up and set world, you know, world record in the squat one day with these long skinny femurs. I, I don't think anyone in the entire world would have, would have thought that would happen. So, um, the way that I got there was just through consistent hard work, dedication, consistent effort, showing up every day, trying to do the right things. Um, and that's really, I think any, anybody has within them the capability to achieve things that no one else thinks they can achieve. You mentioned that this, this injury you're current going through has got you thinking about if you want or can continue on. And there's, it, it makes sense, right? This has been your life and who you are for a really long period of time. If you were to decide that you are going to transition out of your powerlifting career, do you feel like you've accomplished the things that you've really wanted to? Yeah. And that's injuries have been on the verge of forcing me out for mm -hmm. maybe four, probably four years. Um, and if you'd asked me four years ago, I would have said no. Um, so I'm, I'm very fortunate and happy that the last couple of years I've been able to do some of the things. So one of the milestones that no one had done that I really wanted to achieve was a 500 kilograms, which is 1100 pound squat. Um, so, you know, that, cause I've been able to do it for a, a while. I hadn't done it in a meet. And I think I would be pretty upset if I had to be forced out of the sport before I officially did that. So that combined with the thousand pound bench and the 2,800 plus pound total, um, you know, if, if I had another three to four totally healthy years ahead of me, I know I could, could beat those numbers, but, um, I, I can, can rest easy knowing that. Uh, I did some milestones that I dreamt of. Sure, absolutely. I have a question going back to that young kid. Do you think that that younger kid that you were had the mental toughness that just needed to be cultivated? Or did you have to build that along with the strength over the years? Um, to me, to me, it's very obvious. And I, I got that, that mental toughness had been there I mean, probably, probably by the time I was in middle school, you know, the same, the same mental toughness that got me here, I think it already existed there. But where it came from, though, was um, the thing that my parents instilled in me just about hard work and no excuses. And, and really the main thing being wrestling, to be honest, um, wrestling from a young age and the kind of lessons that that teaches you, uh, I, I think just kind of early on developed my mind to be able to do those things. 
we appreciate your time. It's uh, I think my brain reset every time I heard the the numbers <laughs> of the records. But so fast to the question twice, I apologize. <laughs> I'm gonna go and try and squat ten pounds later today and feel accomplished. <laughs> so, but thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story. Absolutely, it was a pleasure. The Path Distilled is hosted by Kevin Harris and Lauren Tashman, created and produced by Kevin Harris. The content is copyrighted by The Path Distilled, all rights reserved.